0: love this podcast support this show through the acar supporter feature it's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment just hit the link in the show
1: description to support now welcome to the swirl suite everybody happy Wine wednesday so i have a few updates before i introduce our special guest this week Um, i'm coming off of my birthday it was yesterday thank you for all the birthday wishes i drank champagne and ate crabs you know, typical D.C. stuff. So um, another update, the Beads Butter and Book box is available now on my website. So the box includes eight ounces of shea butter from Zen in a Jar, Beaded Hoops by Beads by Woo. And lastly, of course, my wine activity book. And I also threw in a wine tote. This is my first collaboration box. So we're not going to ship this time. It's going to be for DC metro area only and it's pickup only and the first pickup event will be this Sunday and at a special wine location actually. You get all the pickup details and the location and the time and date and all of that at the time of purchase. So let me know if you have any questions. Oh, one more update. I wanna say a big thank you to Benita Johnson and her team over at Books and Bottles. I was a guest on their show last week and it's now live on Facebook. I will put the link in the description box. It's a really fun conversation. Be sure to check it out. So our guest this week is Michael Evans. He's the CEO and co-founder of The Vines. Michael Evans founded The Vines in 2005 while he was in Mendoza, Argentina on vacation. Anyway, he tells us the whole story, and now he's expanding to 12 wine regions around the world. There are currently 17 founding members of the Vines Global Membership Club, in addition to 240 making wine in Mendoza. Check out our conversation here. Cheers. Hi, Michael. So
0: Hi there. How are you?
1: I'm well. How are you? I'm doing great. Awesome. 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 I believe it's just me and you today. Um, me and the other girls, we were just at a Portuguese tasting. So oh, cool. I, yeah, yeah, it? it was awesome. I, I absolutely love Portuguese wine. It's, it's next on my bucket list to go. I can't wait.
0: It's fantastic. You haven't been, uh, you haven't been there? No. Doro <clears throat> is, uh, it's spectacular. M- many wine regions are, are beautiful, but that one is just along the river there. It's, mm. it's fantastic. The wines are beautiful and they're uh, super value.
1: Yeah. 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 I had a lot of great wines. It was my first walk around tasting um, since uh, the pandemic started. So I was excited to be back in the mix.
0: Absolutely. That is good news.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was cool how they had it set up. Um, all of the producers were behind like a glass shield. Um, Uh like a, yeah, a hard plastic or a glass shield. And um, yeah, all of us, we had to provide some sort of um, vaccination records or uh, negative COVID tests. And um, they had little boxes of food that you could take with you on the way out. So it was very organized. I loved it.
0: It's coming together. I mean, people we're, were figuring it out. I mean, things are, I'm in Barcelona now and things are starting to get back to normal.
1: Okay. Okay. Yeah, um, uh, one of our co-hosts, she lives in Paris, and um, <clears throat> she was telling us about all of the uh, changes that she had to make. Um, they have to have their records on their phone wherever they go to show it, be ready to show it.
0: Yeah, and here in Spain, it's not so much. I'm going to, I'm actually going to, to Champagne next week, and so mm-hmm. we'll see how it is there it's in Spain. And in Italy, they say you need to, to show it, but in practice, I don't think anybody asked me other than the airport.
1: Interesting, interesting. Huh. How about that? Well, uh we can get started. Um Great. so welcome to the swell suite. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah, we're so happy to have you. Um for anybody who doesn't know you, um talk a little bit about yourself, introduce yourself.
0: So I'm Michael Evans, um born and raised in Washington, DC, been a wine lover forever. Um I think probably the You're kidding, uh, I
1: didn't realize you were from DC. I yeah. grew up in D.C. too. Awesome.
0: Oh, did you? Uh, yeah, 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 I, grew I grew live in, right now. I grew up in Tenley Circle and, and, uh, and went to school at Wilson.
1: I went to Wilson too. Wow. I, was,
0: I, was, I think mine was many, many years before years were.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, go ahead. I didn't want to interrupt you, but I had to say I, that was awesome.
0: No, no, absolutely. I graduated in 83.
1: 98 for it.
0: Yeah, 98 for me. Yeah, and I, I absolutely loved it. Um, So I grew up in D.C. and I'd always kind of been into wine once I got old enough to drink it. And uh, then I bopped around, worked on a number of political campaigns, was living in Los Angeles. Um, And then I went to Argentina for what I thought was going to be a three-week vacation. That was 16 years ago, and I'm basically still there. Um, I just completely fell in love with the the place. Um, Never expected I would continue to be there uh, 16 years later, it always seemed like, okay, I'll stay six months, I'll stay a year, I'll stay two years. And now, 16 years later, it's, it's, it's amazing. But I, I, when I went there, I, I'd always had this kind of dream or fantasy of, of owning a vineyard and making wines, but it just seemed impossible, either too expensive or uh, unapproachable, unattainable. And when I was there, I realized that Mendoza at the time, and to many extent, still is felt like Napa 50 or 60 years ago. Um, it's a long way to go. I mean, the wines are fantastic. There's great value. Vineyards are cheap. The people are amazing. Um, but the wines the, and, 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 the, and the infrastructure, the ability to buy there is, um, was very inexpensive. And there weren't very many kind of hospitality offerings at the time. So originally, my idea was I, I, I came across um, uh, a guy who's now one of our partners, um, who his family has been making wine in, in Mendoza for, for generations, two generations. And so my original idea was I was going to buy a little piece of land and go back to the States and go get another job and do the normal thing and then come down each year for harvest and pick some grapes and work with him to learn how to make my wines. And as soon as I started talking to my friends back in the States, they said, well, if you're going to do that, I want in as well. So all of a sudden I had 10 guys that each wanted a small piece of land. And so we said a uh, light bulb went off and said, right, a lot of people have this, this dream of owning a vineyard and, and making their own, uh, their own wine. So long story short, we, we started with, with those 10 original friends. Um, and we, we looked for properties. We looked at 76 properties before we finally found the right one. Um, we bought the land in, in 2006. We planted it in 2007. It took three years for the grapes to mature. Um, we built our winery so that it was ready for our first harvest in 2010. Um, And we started making wine and um, we grew from from that time to now we have um, 259 vineyard owners from all over the world, from 18 different countries um, that own between one acre as on the small side up to 20 acres. And this last year we made 366 different wines. I think probably more wines, certainly more wines than than any winery in in the entire world. The overall production is relatively small, about 250,000 bottles. Um, because each of our folks that own a vineyard, they make their own specific label. Wow.
1: That's, that's so awesome. And it's so wonderful that you actually opened up your property to everybody that out of like, that's so convenient. Like I can buy the vines that I need to make my wine and just worry about that vine. Do they handle like the maintenance of that vine too? Or is that all you as well?
0: You know, what we try and do is take care of all the things that no one would want to do. So we, yeah. we hire the people to do the farming and the pruning. Our owners do come down and and, uh, and pick some grapes, typically. Many times they'll come down for the initial planting. They'll come down for sorting. But the most important time is they'll come down for blending. So each year they'll come down and taste the base wines from the previous harvest and create their blend because that's when they can have – the greatest impact on the final wine. Of course, they make a lot of decisions prior to that about how they want it farmed, whether they want it organic or non-organic. Do they want it super premium quality with a green harvest? Do they want it premium quality to maximize quantity? So they've got a lot of decisions along the way, but the most fundamental impact they can have is when they're actually in Mendoza with our winemakers creating their, uh, their own blend.
1: Mm. So they make the wine on y'all's property too, and they are the label.
0: Each each one of our owners creates their own label. We have a marketing team that works with each uh, with each owner to create their mm-hmm. own label, and then we make the wine with them based on their specifications. We bottle it after they blend it. We bottle it and label it and send it off to their to their house or office.
1: Wow, that's that's awesome. That's great. That's it's really a lot great. of fun.
0: It's cr- it's crazy logistically. It's it's nuts, but it but it but it's pretty crazy. And then in two thousand thirteen, mm-hmm. we built a five star resort because our, our folks came down to Mendoza and they were in Mendoza. We're about an hour south of Mendoza city. And so there weren't really any good hotels out by us. So we decided we needed to build a resort. So people had a good place to stay. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually were just named the, the, the best hotel in Argentina uh, and both by Conde Nast and uh, Travel and Leisure. So we're really, really proud of the, of the hotel and it's a great place for our owners to come and visit.
1: Uh, yeah. I was on the website and it looks stunning um, the spa especially. Yeah, it looks, it looks awesome. Yeah,
0: it's it's really beautiful. And we've got a phenomenal chef, Francis Malman, who you may have seen on chef's table from uh, who cooks with fires is, is a really phenomenal guy mm-hmm. and, a, and a great chef. And so we're, we're very proud of the of the team and the and the resort.
1: Wow. So um, about Mendoza, um, you fell in love with Mendoza, and uh, you never left. What, what does what stands out in Mendoza versus all the other uh, wine regions?
0: I think the main, I mean, via the big name wine regions, the big difference is that it's, that's um, not overdeveloped. It is mm. still, you know, most of the wineries you'll go, I mean, there's some large wineries there for sure. And that are, that are big commercial operations, but for the most part, when you go to a winery and you bang on the door, the, the guy or gal that opens the door is going to be the winemaker or somebody in their family. And so the experience you get is a much more intimate, um, personal experience of wine tasting and getting to know the winemakers than it is at some place where you're going to go. And there's hundreds of people going through there every day tasting, um, and it's a much more kind of commercial operation. So I think that's probably the, the number one um, thing. The number two would be that be, in, in in Mendoza, which isn't unique, but it also happens to some extent in, in Paso Robles or in other kind of less, um, less famous wine regions, there's more experimentation because they can afford to. In Napa Valley, a winemaker really only makes cab because they're going to lose money on anything else relative to what they would make for cab. Mm-hmm. In Mendoza, in, in Paso Robles, in, in Portugal, in in some other wine regions, you have more flexibility because uh, it's not as expensive, first of all, and the market isn't only defined by one type of grape.
1: Mm. Speaking of grapes, can you um, just off the top of your head, give like maybe like the five main grapes or varieties um, in Mendoza?
0: Yeah, I mean, number one is definitely Malbec by, by far and away. Um, but after that, um Cabo de Franc, not only in terms of, uh, of what is growing well um, but people are planting and talking about it. it's it's a very it does it does very very well in in, the, in that high desert it um it has it doesn't have that kind of super green herbaceous character that a lot of times yeah. you get with cabernet franc so it kind of dries out and, and it and it's, it's beautiful by itself but it's also a great a great blending component um and then really it's i mean mendoza has really been driven by the the bordeaux varietal so after malbec and cabernet franc you've got you know, Merlot and and Cabernet Sauvignon, um, and, uh, which are, um, they're, they're good. I don't know that they're great. Generally they're, they're fabulous components for, for blending, but I think the the real stars in in Argentina are uh, Malbec Cabernet Franc and uh, and Bordeaux style blends. Although coming up right behind that is um, is a lot of Rhone um, blends and varietals. Grenache is doing beautifully. There's there's some really nice GSMs that are being produced. Um, it's a very flexible terroir. It's very um, partially because of the of the drip irrigation and um, despite the the heat and the, and the high altitude, um, we're able to grow a lot of different varietals. In fact, we have 33 different varietals planted in the vines.
1: Mm. Wow. So as far as like whites and rosés, are, are people more or are your consumers more into like the big reds more than um, the whites and the rosés?
0: I think it's changing. I mean, Argentina certainly has been known for big reds. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that that I don't know, as I get as I get older, I certainly trend am trending towards. Um, less intense wines, less lower alcohol wines, and I think that's true for for a lot of people. So people love their their big reds, but they're 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 blending a uh, a little more um, sweetness, a little more uh, a little less alcohol, a little uh, a little more approachable wines than than they may have in uh, in, in the past. And there's really some be- there's also some beautiful whites and, and a lot of the the Rhone varietals that I mentioned, especially the the uh, the GSMs and the, and the blends are, are are less intense and and yet beautiful wines. Hmm.
1: Hmm. So this is a really interesting concept that you have going here. Are you going to continue to grow in Mendoza, or are you going to like? Would you explore other regions in the same way?
0: So that's actually what we're just what we just, what we what we started. So we like. I'm sure you um, love wines from. Uh, one region but you always want to try something new and something Mm -hmm. interesting and check out a check out a new spot and so for us um because of the economics in napa or bordeaux or um doro or somewhere like that to be able to have this model where people actually own the land Mm -hmm. would be very difficult i mean uh, uh, an acre of of land in you know in montalcino is going to be well over a, a million dollars in mendoza it's 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 $75,000 or $100,000. So it's something that's much more approachable. So the model that we have in Mendoza really doesn't translate well internationally, but we still need to make wine and we have this desire to make wine in other places. And so what what we've done is we've created partnerships with wineries around the world that are interested in really passionate winemakers coming to them, wine lovers really, or wine lovers that are becoming winemakers, Mm -hmm. um, to coming to them and blending wines with them. So we started with um, Giacomo Neri in Montalcino and Casanova de Neri, who has got 700 point wines, a phenomenal winemaker. And we started, we brought a group of our, of our members out to Montalcino to blend wine with him. And so he's already got the vineyards, he's got the, uh, the infrastructure, he's got the winery and the know-how to make um, a phenomenal Brunello di Montalcino. And so we took our members there and we spent a couple days with Giacomo learning about Sangiovese, learning about the terroirs of Casanova and the terroir of Montalcino. And so that we could understand this and create a blend. And of course, a Brunello being only being required 100% Sangiovese, you might think that there's not a whole lot to blend because you're not putting a little Merlot in that. You're not putting a little Syrah to spice it up. You really can only play with. Um, Sangiovese and and the, the diversity of the the terroirs, despite having one grape, w- was phenomenal. And so we spent a couple of days with Giacomo and our members created their own blends. And we did this in 2019, right before everything kind of shut down for, for COVID. Mm-hmm. And we blended the, the, the Five Star Vintage 2016. So just recently, we bottled and labeled these wines. So these wines that our members made in 2019 are now with their own custom labels being shipped out to our members in, in the States and Brazil and in, uh, and in London. And from this phenomenal vineyard. And in fact, two weeks ago, I was in Montalcino with, with Giacomo trying the wine with him and the first time he had tried it in the, in the bottle. And as you may know, he really only makes uh, single varietal, single vineyard wines. And so for him, blending across vineyards was a little crazy. And I, I'm not sure he was completely convinced, but he, he tasted the wine and, and, and really, uh, I think he thought it was, a, was an excellent wine and, and, a, and a fair reflection of of the vineyards and and his terroir so we were really happy with those with those results Um, so not only are now our members making wine in montalcino but also in in champagne with uh with champagne drapier in uh in germany with dr lawson in uh in spain in priorat with um with terroir a limit in uh oregon with alexana uh, making some fabulous pinots Valley cabernet of course with uh, with Hourglass in, um, in Napa Valley and in, in Paso Robles, California with, with Booker. So we've got these eight sites currently where our members can go and make wine um, and then we'll expand over time. Uh, over the next couple of years, we'll add another seven or eight sites.
1: Hmm. So is there a Wines of Mendoza wine club that has access to all of the, the producers in your membership?
0: So we have – there's the the Vines of Mendoza where people can purchase their own vineyard Mm -hmm. and we manage it for them. And then there's the Vines International Membership Club where people become members and then they can make wine at any of these sites. And one of the things that we've realized is that while making wine is the driver for some of our members, equally important are two other things. And one is there – it's a curated set of – experiences that you really can only access by knowing somebody or living somewhere and so when we go to montalcino and we go truffle hunting with um you know the cousin of the winemaker or we take a pasta making class from them or we go and have lunch at sesti or we go and do a tasting at uh, cupano these are experiences that um you know even if you've got the the mx black card it's tough to get these have mm. these curated experiences. So that's so it's winemaking, curated experiences. And the other piece that we've realized is that there's something about the community. And so we do these trips, and typically we'll go for three or four days to these wine regions with no more than, than 22, 23 people. And the community of people, the people that travel there, um, one of the things that constantly comes back from our members of the reason that they loved it was this ability to meet other people that have similar interests similar passions. They're, um, they are travelers, they're food lovers, they're wine lovers. Um, and it's, 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 it's been really interesting to see this, this community developed around these three pillars of winemaking, curated experiences, and the community of people. And so we're really enthusiastic about our, our, our members and, and, and their ability to continue to enjoy wine and travel together.
1: Wow. That's that's awesome. That's that's really you, you
0: got to come on one of our trips with us. Of check course. It out in person.
1: Yeah, I love that. I would absolutely love that. Um, so you mentioned that it's hard to get in um, sort of in your community. If someone listening is interested and wants to find all, all about you and your producers and your wines, what should they do?
0: So two spots. One is um, our uh, our international club. If you want to make wine all over the world then it's the-vines.com, um, the-vines.com. And then for our Mendoza project, if you want to have kind of a more permanent connection with, uh, with your vineyard, then that's at vinesofmendoza.com.
1: Awesome. And so if everybody wants to follow you in your, your individual projects, are you on social media? Can they follow you?
0: Yeah, we are, uh, the Vines Winemakers on, um, on Instagram and also uh, Vines of Mendoza on Instagram.
1: Awesome. I'll put all of these links in the description box so everybody has access to one.
0: Fantastic.
1: Yeah, well, this is fantastic. Thank you for taking the time to join the Swirl Suite.
0: My pleasure. Well, I love the work that you guys are, are doing and, and hope to actually swirl some wine uh, together soon.
1: Yeah, absolutely love that. Let us know the next time you're in DC.
0: We'll do. I love it. Fantastic. Thank you so much. You take care.
1: You're welcome. Bye bye. All right. Bye bye. Thanks for joining this, Royal Suite, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this mini episode with me and Michael. Stay tuned next week. We have a very special guest straight out of Baltimore. Don't forget to share this episode, like, subscribe, and we love the comments. Cheers.